And now, do you like Prince movies? Hey everybody, welcome to Do You Like Prince Movies? I'm Alex Papadimus. I'm Wesley Morris. And this week we're going to talk about Unfriended. We're going to talk, we're going to have a conversation about a our, our, our round two, our yearly Poptimism conversation. This one touched off by an article that appeared in the Washington Post uh, over the weekend. And Alex's Jam. But first, but we're gonna have we're we're gonna talk about a few things very quickly before we go into unfriended. Thing number one is I know that you and I after the Grammys had that really depressing Madonna realization where she we agreed was quite bad. Um and I just sort of didn't feel like listening to the new Madonna record. Cause, you know, I, there was just something about that performance that just really saddened me um but then i listened to it last week and it is really good and i just wanted to pick out one song to make you and everyone else listen to it's called body shop (laughs) and it's exactly what you think it's a it's a it's a pull in pull up to the bumper style metaphor for a woman and a man being together or a man and a man if you're madonna you know she she makes it so that you know it's all interchangeable but the the tempo of the song it's not a dance song it's actually a really sexy ballad and it just really works i think the record is maybe six songs too many she could have made two albums out of this record but i was surprised it's not it is not an embarrassment late period madonna still somewhat underrated there's a little American life wrapping on this, which is not advised, but mostly she leaves it to people like Kanye West and Nicki Minaj to do. That's that's smart. If you have them in your corner, to not to not try to hang that drywall yourself. It's like, oh, I'll get Nicki Minaj to to do it rather than me me rapping. Um, yeah, I'm in favor of that. That's good. Uh, so I'll check this out. Shop. I mean, you know, yeah. I I have I have I have a rebel heart, and uh, my rebel heart has told me not to listen to this record. <laughs> Yeah, now. mine too. I've listened to the, the beat of my rebel heart that said, don't bother. Don't try it. It's, it's not, it's, it's ridiculous with the, the tape on people's faces. Um, yeah. Yeah. I it's, I, I mean, look, you know, it's, it, it, it's hard. It's, it, you know, I mean, we, we, we didn't, you, you, I thought I, where I thought you were going with this was the Drake thing, the Coachella thing. No, I am not going to talk about that. that. She's had enough other embarrassments this year. To just leave the, the the three that I can come up with the top off the top of my head alone. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? No. I mean, it's no. I agree with you. It's it, it's she needs to stop doing the the, the like the, she's because it's like Morgana the kissing bandit now. She's just, <laughs> like the crazy aunt just runs out and you know just can't be stopped. It, 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 like have some have some preserve the mystery. <sighs> I love you so much. I like the. I, <laughs> I I, I I love you too. I, I like when they had the, somebody captioned the um, the photo, the best the best Twitter caption right after that happened. I forget who it was, and I'll, I'll give them credit. I'll find them and give them credit. But somebody just posted that picture, and the caption was "Got a lot of people trying to drain me of this energy," which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny because it did have a did have a vampiric aspect. I don't know. I I I, I didn't know really what was happening there. Okay, but, we're not going to talk about it anymore. She's no. had she's had. I mean, she just has made so many mistakes this year, and releasing this album was actually not one of them. As it turns out, that was a that was a positive for her. She should focus on that instead of trying to like, I don't know, steal the souls of such people as Miley Cyrus and Drake. I'll look. I'll get in anyway, there and check it out. I promise I'll check it yes, out. I promise I'll do. with an open open heart, open rebel heart. Uh, your turn. Did you? How was how was your Star Wars celebration? How did that go for you? How that the, the the big the big day came, I know that you were riveted to this as you are to all uh, new developments in the Star Wars universe. I'm going to guess that you, you know, did not you were not in front of a computer as this all, all was taking place. I know that you were you were not in Anaheim for it live, nor was I. But uh, I mean, did you not did you watch any of it? Did you did you see any of the uh, the, the lead up to the, the big moment? The the 58 minutes of uh, horse hockey that preceded the two minutes of amazingness that we experienced 
Wait, so that's horse me. hockey is not what Madonna did to Drake? Just <laughs> no, that's tonsil hockey. It's a different. It's okay. a, it, yes, it's yes. Canadian. Yes. It's a yeah. It's in Canada. It's known by a different name, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's... no, I didn't watch any of this and you're mean because you're trying to get me back for me allegedly hurting your feelings by bringing this up before off the show. You, you actually alerted me to the fact that this was happening and I was like, I'm offended. I thought I was doing you a journalist. I was, favor. I was offended that you would think I would know. You were like, I'm sure you know about this already. Like I would know about the Star Wars celebration, but no, there's this thing. Apparently, even though we have a 365 day a year Star Wars celebration called the internet, we need to have a special event that happens uh, once a year. Apparently it happens like it happens every six years. Cause there was a moment when Kathy Kennedy was talking about the previous ones, which are, I don't know what they talked about there. For all these other all these other years, obviously this is the year when they have something to talk about, which is I don't know if you know this, Wesley. There is a new Star Wars movie coming out uh, this year. I don't know if you're is a, there. Yeah, it turns out I somehow there is. managed managed to miss it. Well, it hasn't come it. out. It hasn't come out yet. You didn't miss it. It didn't like those. <laughs> I should say that for the record that it has not yet been released. It is as yet it has yet to be released, and they're trying to you know build the word of mouth sort of word of mouth. You got to hand sell these things. So you got to get out there. I it was an amazing thing though because all right, look, I don't really the, the, like. There's a, there's a new trailer. It's a, and you know it kind of you are unless you are made of uh, you know bailing wire and excelsior or you know things that uh, they make dummies out of. You know unless you're like unless you're a, a wire monkey of some sort, you can't. I, I felt something watching this trailer. I got excited. You can't not. You feel maybe manipulated yeah. afterwards, but like I, I, I definitely you know for the moment that it was happening. But the hour leading up to it was just was just so amazing because it was just, like starting with the guy DJing like dubstep versions of the Cantina <laughs> band song, <laughs> like the guy whose job it is to pump these people up. These all these like super Star Wars fans like get literally like getting the lightsabers in the air. Uh, it, Do it, they need a pumping up at this point? This is what I mean. This, yes, this is yes. This is the thing that's funny about it is that it's it's not like it's it's not like it's Tinkerbell and if these people don't clap like they're not going to play the trailer. If they're the not whole thing turns excited. to dust, right? They're like, right. you know what? You guys don't seem excited enough. We're going to wait another year to put out this Star Wars. J.J. Abrams is going to take his Star Wars movie and go home. Um, no, that's that's uh. That's not going to happen. Anyway, did you uh, did you watch the new trailer? Did you get excited, like I did? No, I did not. D- yes, is that a no to both? If of you those? had told me to watch it, did I would have watched you didn't it. Be, but like, wow, I'm, you know, that's... I did not feel a cultural obligation to watch it. I just didn't. Man, I, first of all, I'm not I'm not a trailer watcher anymore. And second, I I I just can't do it. I just I can't. I will go to the movie and hopefully I will really like it. The more I think about who's in this movie, and this is a separate conversation we can have when we talk about the Avengers yeah. in two weeks, I uh, there is a value in a movie such as this being packed full of people who I like watching in movies. But it's just not enough for me to actually watch the movie itself. I mean, watch the trailer itself. I just, I can't do it. No. I mean, I I, I get that. And I think I think it's 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 weird that the trailerfication of everything now, like... The craziest spectacle, actually, even crazier than the Star Wars thing, was the spectacle of people being psyched about getting passes to go to a movie theater, like to leave the house and go and sit in a movie theater and watch in IMAX the, I I guess it's two minutes long, teaser trailer for Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Passes. To go watch the commercial for the movie, you don't. They don't show them. They're not going to surprise you and show the movie. Like Batman. Doesn't not this movie be come there. out next year too? Uh, yes, yes. It's also a 2016 movie, right? I yes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I I mean, it just no. I'm legitimately. Thing, I'm not it, doing a bit. I actually don't remember now. Like I, I've, I've no. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's 2016. And oh my god. Okay, what's next? <laughs> Uh, what is next? I had one other thing. Oh yeah, I was gonna. We were gonna. You had. You you were gonna. You were gonna. We had a conversation. You were. We just. Sometimes we do this. We just said let's let's have this conversation on the air, and I'll explain to you. You know. Uh, I was gonna explain to you why you should just you should just start watching Game of Thrones without catching up, because this is a thing that I am in favor of. Just get in. Okay. Just get okay. in. I'm sure lots of people will tweet at us that. You are giving me bad advice, but I'm going to take it because 
I, as we discussed last week, I'm running out of time. I just, I'm working on like this project and I, I want to watch TV. I would like to watch Game of Thrones. I feel like I'm doing you a disservice by not being caught up so we can talk about it on the show. But I'm not even, I kind of been out on it for like the last, you know. You mean you haven't been watching it? Or no, just I've just been watching like it. I watched most of last twirling, season twirling thumbs. being kind of, all right, let's go. Let's get some of these people. Together, okay. I don't have twelve seasons for the you know because it's it is a, there's a lot of like real time travel there's a lot of it's a, I think it's a realistic depiction of how much you mean how, real hyphen time travel yeah not real time travel but like t- people traveling at the rate of speed that they would be traveling if they were on horseback with like a kid who can't use his legs yes, got you know it, like got the, it. it's like, a Kelly Reichardt movie yeah it's a little bit <laughs> it's a little bit like you know some kind of yeah like straight story it's like it's realistic it's like a big sort of fictional country that no one can you know get to each other as easily they can't you know so like the plot lines but what i'm going to say is this is the season where they are departing from the books which i have not read uh so i don't care i'm not going to feel betrayed about that but i think they're they're departing from the books and i think also from the the pace of the books in some ways the sort of pace at which events happen and they're going to start bringing some of these threads together. And honestly, like you will, you will catch up pretty easily. I mean, I did have a moment when I was watching the premiere. I was like, I don't remember who anybody is, and you know that kind of went away. I have that every time Madman goes away for two years and then comes back. It you get used to it. It's like going to your family's house. It's fine. All right, I'll do it. I'll just I'm gonna jump right in. I'll catch up. I'll watch the first two episodes, and then on Sunday I'll be all caught up. Um. We'll be right back. With all these curves, we might need to have the brakes looked at. Sip up the hood and see what's good. I need a tulip bed. My precious love is on the road, but my transmission's blown. I heard a thump and then I knock. I hear you work at a body shop. I hear you work at a body shop. I saw unfriended yesterday i keep wanting to call it and i just did in conversation i keep wanting to call it unfollowed which it's not there's also a movie called it follows out i i was trying to do the double feature yesterday of unfriended and it follows uh did not work out time wise the overlap was it was just almost perfect um but didn't happen i was not able to theater hop that might have been too much you you were on the losing end of that bargain I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pre throw that out there without even knowing how you feel about this movie. I'm gonna say you're gonna be so happy, so much happier than you than you seeing it it follows than you presumably were with Unfriended. But I don't want to I don't want to cloud the I don't want to cloud anything. I loved Unfriended. Ah, oh! <laughs> it was great. I okay. really liked it. Okay, I don't hate it enough to like for this to really be a fight. But please go on. I mean, look, there's a lot of things I the th- like right when I got out of there. The first thing that I tweeted when I got out of there was that clearly the biggest influence on today's young male actors coming up as as Brando was to generation mm-hmm. past. The biggest influence is Aaron Paul. There's two guys in this movie who have really just learned all of their yelling techniques from Aaron Paul. That sort of like conversational oh, yelling brilliant observation that Aaron Paul does on Breaking Bad. Because yep. think about it, if you're that age, if you're like a 16 or 18, I don't know how old these actors are. But these like, guys are 30. <laughs> <laughs> they're 37 uh they're the, yes. yes they're the same age as me uh no but they're yeah they, i mean if you were coming up you've probably you've seen a lot of movies but you've definitely watched all of breaking bad and so they all That's have that i point. can't i can't do it i can't I, it's like i'm not uh, but it's that sort of it's a conversational volume yelling and there's the one kid who plays mitch who's got the big sort of like anime eyes because they're cast for their webcam ability in this movie um I don't know. I had a feeling as I was watching this. I don't even know if it's the story is it's not, you know, it's not a great story. It's but I think it just it manages to pull in so many things that are going on. I had a in in the culture. Yes. You know, everything from the, the idea of, you know, suicide epidemics, you know, to just the concept of the Internet as, you know, it's now. When the call is coming from inside the house, like your home is now this sort of virtual world and you are, you know, that's where, that's where it would happen and that's where you would be, that's where you would be murdered. I don't really understand the physics of it. I don't think it holds up 
Okay. From okay. that perspective. Right. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> How can look? Okay, spoilers. By Are the way, are we going to start? Spoiler, with spoiler, that? spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yes. But okay, like I, I'm going to say, like, so yeah. So blanket spoiler warning because I, I we did kind of talk about the you know re- we did reveal some reveals uh, on Ex Machina and I had got a little, some I got some some acrid tweets from people. So I'm oh, gonna, interesting. Yeah. I got I got none that I know of. Maybe I, I have a few people who were peeved. At, you know I'm things sorry. things that we uh, discussed in there. You know. Oh, I should also say that the person who did tell me that the Domhnall Gleason's name is actually Donald. Thank you. Yes, it's Donald Gleason. It'll never happen again. My question is, what is then? How how do you pronounce Donald Logue? It's Donald. Do <laughs> you Donald. think it's the opposite for Donald yeah, Logue? It's Do- like it's, it's a VW it, in German problem. I I have no idea. That's a good one. That's a good one, Alex. Anyway, know. it's not that important. Um, so you want to you want to spoil something in in, in unfriend? No, not really. I mean, and, and no, I'm not really going to start with you know. I mean, I understand. I I did think about it though. I was like, okay, so the ghost wants to it doesn't because if the ghost can just strike at them through the computer, why doesn't the ghost just kill them? And uh, but it wants them to suffer first, and it wants them to be humiliated and all that. So unfriended is the story of a group of friends hanging out one night on Skype. On Skype. Just chilling on Skype in in Fresno, uh, California, and it is revealed. How do how do you what's the what's the first? Okay, so you find out that they all sort of they all knew this girl who committed suicide, and the first thing you see is this video of her committing suicide. There's another thing that sort of comes into it that's our sense of complicity slash our lack of complicity, our deadenedness in in and to things that we see on the horrible things that we see on the internet, you know, and encountering those things. And this is almost, it, it, it sort of implies that it, those things have some kind of psychic impact on us that we don't really credit necessarily. Right. So a friend of theirs uh, committed suicide because she was shamed on the internet of a video of her uh, sort of in a compromised position after a party made the rounds yeah it's no more compromised position than the one she was in it's a it's a very compromised position i'm not not spoiling it i just don't want to talk about it. it's gross i don't want to talk about it either nasty but it's disgusting it's but it's you know and it's a it's the kind of thing that would you know probably in high school would absolutely ruin your life um yes so she's she has taken her own she's a popular girl by the way she's not your normal She's not your normal. She's not your typical candidate for for cyberbullying, if there is such a thing. She's a popular girl. She would have been a Heather yep. or a mean girl. Yeah, it's true. And her name is Laura. Laura Barnes. Laura Barnes. And then uh, one night after Laura Barnes has been dead a while, I guess it's one year, right? One year to one year to the night, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, her friends begin receiving these messages from Laura Barnes Facebook and through the various platforms. There is. The product placement in this is kind of off the chain, like which I appreciate from a. There realism. are so many products placed in this movie that you kind of have to accept them the way we accept Xerox as the word for copy. Yeah, no, it's true. But see, that's I like that. I, I honestly, I was bugged by that in the sense that like it was just constant. You were constantly looking at like Spotify and Facebook and like all of these things. At the same time, it would have been so much more embarrassing if it was like they made it up. Yeah, it's like I hate. I hate, hate, hate in movies when people go on the internet and search things. I mean, I hate it, love it, you know, because it's always great. But when they search things on a search engine that doesn't exist and it's always the worst name for it, it's like search. Wolf. You face like like 30 rocks. You face. Yeah. You face. I like all of those things. You know, yeah, it's uh, I, I my what I honestly think is that they should use other fictional things from other universes. They should use like you face. That should just be a thing in movies. Right. Maybe like right. five, five, five. You should be able to use like Huli. You know, in your in your fictional movie, <laughs> uh, but no, it's always hilarious when people do that, and it's like, and also when email doesn't look like email, when it's just it looks mm-hmm. like nothing. It's like, oh, I do all my email in a, you know fifty two point font, and it's in <laughs> rainbow colors, and it, you know has the person's face in a hologram. Yeah, unless you're Spike Jones, you know, with a real design aesthetic, you, I mean, just just use Gmail. Yeah, just pay fine. some, but just they, you know they pay you, don't they? I mean, like, isn't it? Free, I don't actually basically? know. I mean, again, it is Gmail, like. It, no way you have to pay to use Gmail in a movie. That's I ridiculous. Pro- I mean, that if they you're Google, they... don't don't you make them? Pay? I'm sure this is the part where somebody, one, some Google friend that one of us has, somebody send a note, being like, "Yes, I work in Google Legal. You know that, Wesley. You should call me and ask me before you talk about it." Uh, uh, in fact, owe us twelve thousand dollars just for talking about it on just this for program. talking about it. Yes. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. 
So, yes, they they all communicate on Skype. They're all there are six friends. They're all on Skype. There are five friends at first, and then my favorite friend of the of the group, Val, comes in. She's my I don't know if she's your favorite friend, but of these guys, she does. She does. She's a live wire to this uh, this story. When she comes into it, she's more interesting than the. the so rest of them. let's uh, let's play a clip of these guys getting together. So. So our heroes, you know, what's in, what's interesting about this movie is I can name everybody. I can still remember everybody's name, what they look like. So I, I didn't mention this in the review that I wrote, but the casting director really does deserve. I was trying to figure out, like, what she would have done. And then you nailed it by saying that you've got to find you've got to find faces that make sense. You know, webcam faces, not movie camera faces. You've got a face for the web for a webcam, not a film camera, which is a really smart distinction because it's true. But I remember all all of these people, Blair and Mitch and Jess and Adam and Ken, they're all together. And then um, eventually my favorite of, of, of this group, Val, comes in. But we have, to, we're gonna, we have a clip from when Blair and Mitch apparently are having some sort of web sex um, and the rest of the gang somehow interrupts by horning in on their Skype call. Such a big boner, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I totally missed it. Shut up. Hey, Blair. Okay. Blair, you're. How are you? Your blouse, babe. What? <laughs> what are you calling my girlfriend, babe, for? Hey, Mitch, who's your buddy? Get off. What? Who's your buddy? Cyber three way. That's not with us. We should say. So, yeah. Go ahead. You, are you going to explain the buddy? I was actually well. I was gonna. I was gonna actually go back and say what you should know if you've not seen clips from this movie and you can't see that clip. You can just only hear it, which it doesn't really work on the radio. But uh, it's all what you're looking at for the entirety of this movie is a desktop. You're looking at somebody's yes. somebody's laptop screen. Like the joke I heard somebody make it was that this is how the, the movie business finally figured out how to get kids, you know, to come to movies is like just make it look like they're you know make it like being on the computer. Um, <laughs> And now that's that's basically what's happened. It's a, it's a, it's a desktop screen, so you're always you can see. And the other thought that I had was the one thing that's open the entire time from the beginning is uh, BitTorrent, and mm-hmm. that this is actually Universal's way of subtly sort of telling us that BitTorrent is dangerous and will let ghosts into your house. See, I don't we, download okay, movies, is, kids. This is part. This is like part three of this conversation. We can go back to that because I have some thoughts about that. Immediately, just to explain what the question of from from Ken or uh, Adam to Mitch what, about who's your friend, uh, there's a there's the Skype egg icon on the screen. So there's five panels basically. The Skype, you know, these, this 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 call is featuring the frame of each participant, and there is an extra frame for a person who is not directly participating at first. That is the Skype egg on what I what what I'm calling a bosomy pillow because that's what it looks like. Um, who is just there lingering in the chat but not saying anything, and so they ignore this this person for a little while, and then suddenly weird things start happening to Blair's. We're the, all the, everything we're seeing is from the from the point of view of Blair's laptop. So her so everything on her desktop is what we're seeing. So we're kind of like an Apple tech support with a screen sharing device um watching everything that she does on her computer which is like includes sending texts um not quite having her snl miley cyrus video load um we see everything on her desktop so there's this intruder there in their chat room um and it creates this really interesting like minor suspense like what is this person who are they going to do but then, you know, the, it starts, the egg starts doing things and the more the intruder does, the less interested I became. And so I, I was able to, I really appreciated this, this movie on a, on a sort of intellectual level. I, I enjoyed the ideas that it is offering about, about our relationship to social media and using and turning your social media relationship and your relationship to software and apps and your computer 
into what in a in a conventional slasher movie would be a house. You you know this is like as you said this is where we live. These apps are you know rooms in the house, and you know the 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 question is a it's still even on the internet even with these apps don't go in that room like right. don't go in there don't open that don't click on that link um or or click on it because you know we need this information um all of the conventions of a normal sort of brick and mortar slasher movie are are quite cleverly redistributed within the utterly one dimensional the sort of formally one dimensional world of of Blair's laptop screen i think that's really smart my only problem with this movie, my, and it's a big problem, which is it, it didn't scare me, and it didn't really entertain me that much. Um, and all of the scary things that happen to these people, which involve you know, some very gruesome things, are the things that always happen in these movies. And I guess I just didn't find... I, the cleverness kind of hits a wall at some point. Like it's, they, they have a really great foundation for a brilliant movie. And there's something about the way that egg lurks at the bottom of the screen. It's like a Michael Hanukkah movie. And you sort of expect this level of foreboding to, to be maintained. And it, it comes in and out. But the kids are so like annoying. And the things that happen to them are so dumb. Um, that I just, I was so torn. I was torn about how smart to find this movie. Because you're right. Like it, it is, it is so right there in the sweet spot of all these things that are happening and not entirely in judgmental of them, but more judgmental of the movie's other bugaboo, which is, which is cyberbullying. Well, I mean, shouldn't we be judgmental of cyberbullying? I don't know. I mean, Oh no, no, of course we should. I'm not saying, wait, did I make it sound like we shouldn't be? Oh, I don't know. I think I might've misunderstood you. (laughs) It's possible. No, I think the movie is right in the thing. I, I mean, I don't think it's making fun of, I don't think that the critique is of social media and of technology and software. I think it's of people who who are just holes. Yeah. No, I think that's true. I I guess my my I mean I agree with you. My response would be that the kids in these kinds of movies are always annoying because you just want yes, to see them of get course. murdered. Yes. With the except you know with the except like a Jamie Lee Curtis comes along every so often in that in that realm and is you know compelling but basically it's uh, Odette Yesman is is the is the Jamie Lee Curtis of this genre. Yeah. <laughs> but you basically just want to see them get mowed down. The other thing I'm going to say is this movie's 80 minutes long. So it's not like I agree with you that eventually once you get the, the kind of the bit that's, you know, what's happening, you know, it doesn't have a lot of time to wear out its welcome, you know. So I feel like that's I, I think you're right that ultimately like it's the scariness. I wanted more. I was ready for stuff to be more not even more messed up because it's pretty messed up. Some of the things that happen. But, you know, there's things like there's a moment at the beginning, the first the first death, and again, so spo- if you're still here, spoilers, and you still are like going to get mad, don't get mad. Uh, the first, the first kill, the first, you know, the 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 first because they're suicides; they're not being, you know, necessarily being just stabbed. Yes, taking their what, own whatever lives. whatever is making this happen is making them do it to themselves. They're being trolled by ghosts, and they're they're cause that are eventually causing them to uh, to kill themselves. And the first person who kills herself. Uh, there's the moment you don't know what has happened. She's just sitting there and you know that there, you know that her camera's on and it's not frozen because you can hear her dog in the background. That's a good moment. That's I a good moment. It's a scary that's moment. A really good movie. It reminds I'm sorry, me. That's a really good moment. It reminds me of like, do you remember like the, the bag scene in audition? Mm. Oh yeah. You know, the bag on the floor in audition. Anybody mm -hmm. seen an audition? uh, uh, Like that, that, that it feels like that where it's just, there's this horrible, not like that scene is much more just dread filled, but there is this, just this sense of dread. Like what's, what's going to happen. And you know, you know, something's going to happen. Yes. That there's going to be some kind of a jump scare thing at some point, but it goes on for kind of a long time. And like, it really sort of works that. And then, then eventually it's just like, oh, this guy's sticking his hand in a blender. And, you know, it, it, it becomes a little bit uh, like uh, the happening, you know, mm-hmm. where the, like the guy feeding himself <laughs> to the lions. Like it's just, you, good God. I you, never thought we'd say those words on this podcast. Oh man. The ha- when, when M night, I saw this in the theater, new M night, M night Blumhouse collab coming out coming i forget the name of it now someone will tell me but there's a new and they're they're putting m night's name on the movies again they're they've decided that's that's 
Because it you that's know, what I mean. After Earth, I mean, you can't get any lower than that. Why not just Why not just come all the way back? It's a it, yeah no. So the, the he's due. <laughs> he's look. I have I have a weird fondness for many things in that filmography. I'm going to say. Oh Jesus! So do I. Like I mean, look, we can. I ride with praying with anger. <laughs> I go all the way back to the beginning. And it's not just a Philadelphia thing for you. I know this. Like, I know it's not just a hometown. <laughs> you're not just riding for your boy from the city. Like, it's actually like a. I know, do love him. I, I really uh, do. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, even my issues with him. I, I mean, I don't even know what my issues are. Like, he just fascinates me. He's like the Michael Jackson of, of this kind of movie, of the kind of movie he makes. We need to. I'm, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, we need to what? Oh, I'm just going to say I'm not I'm not going to make it a formal book club selection because I don't know how easy it is to find at this point. But I think it's like one penny on Amazon. Anyone who is curious about like is in who's relating to this conversation at all needs to read The Man Who Heard Voices, which is a book about the Ooh. making of Lady in the Water. Oh, man. And they followed M. Night, and it's written by someone who pretty much goes all the way in the tank for M. Night in the course of... Yeah, Michael Bamberger, that's who that who wrote that. Yeah, and it's really, it's about what it's like to be a super genius that nobody understands what you're doing because you're so good at making movies. And and he's making yeah. Lady in the Water, um, you know, but yeah, we're going to talk about but, all this. We're going to talk about The Village. Anyway... unfriended do you have any more i mean i i'm I'm sort of joking when i say that it's about uh not downloading pirated movies because you're downloading ghosts but i do think that there's something to the cyberbullying aspect that we have not really touched on which is that this is it's metaphorizing something that's real which is that you know uh, horrible things can happen to you online i think we've seen this you know like all of this gamergate stuff and all of that like it's you know people will sort of like there are actually trying to ruin people's lives and there's ways to do it on the internet. And you know, that's, that's the fear that I think is, is being tapped into. Yes, that I think is true. I would, but loosely, I would say this is, um, I I don't think this fits into the same category as like Hollywood sort of propagandizing against its rival entertainment platforms. Um, Because ultimately if you stop to think about it, the the thing that is driving all of this evil is not the technology it's the it's the people using the yeah, technology it's true um and i i like that distinction and i like that the movie didn't go all in to say the i mean there are other movies like fear.com and um a couple other films that where where the internet really is evil and there is evil waiting for you you know you're just a click away from satan um, and you know, I, I, I like that this movie is smart in, in, in the, in a particular way. The thing, as I said, that I wish it did more of was scare me. And I think even keeping within the parameters of what we're describing here about cyberbullying and this psychic guilt that you, that one would feel being aware that one has done that. The thing that I didn't buy in this movie is not so much, it, 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 it this, the, the not being scared is one thing. But there's a weird psychological thing that isn't happening too. These people all know what's going on ultimately, right? They know the truth, right? right? Yeah, they're all they all seem to have been it's implied that they're all complicit in the bullying of this woman, this young woman who took her own life, the right. of Laura Barnes. That they've so, all been in on it. And they never have that conversation because he's the 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 because the ghost, the little ghost icon is there. He's always listening or she whatever this entity but, is there. But wouldn't they, I mean, the but thing they don't, I don't text I about don't, it. Yeah. They don't, they don't they talk about it. in I am cause there's these side conversations in I am that they have. They don't talk about it in there. It's true. They're not like, Oh, this is cause of the thing that we did. Cause it's a little bit like, right. I know what you did last summer on the internet. Well, that at least, I mean, here's the thing about this setup though. I, I, I think that in a, in a movie like you, I know what you did last summer. There is a kind of, I mean, we know that they know what they did, right? Yeah. It's not a, like the movie doesn't hinge on, on a on that on that level of of suppression and denial, right? On the, the and reveal. this is the part that like, right? The this movie hinges on unfriended hinges on the the sort of 
airing. They have to, the truth must be dragged out by threat of life or death uh, from these people. And, and, and that part, while compelling for that one, for that one climactic sequence is ultimately kind of ridiculous. Like how could this never have been, how could some of the things that, that are revealed to be like secrets or, or like major dirty laundry not have been, discussed i mean everybody everybody would seem to me to know what the deal is but for the sake of their 83 minute movie you can't because you'd have like only a 20 minute movie otherwise yeah no you're right you're right i guess i just sort of i i i buy the sort of you know the the concept and i think the concept sort of gets me gets me most of the way there you know i just like i just like the idea that this is you know that we don't we don't let kids go unaccompanied to cabins in the woods anymore oh, pretty this much. Is smart. Yeah, no, this is we don't, smart. So we don't let them do it. We don't let them do it. So that's where the, the, the you know the the malevolent entities from from beyond have no choice but to to migrate onto, you know, the internet, which is where we think that they're safe. There's a moment when they call you know, somebody calls the cops and the 911 dispatcher is like are you are you safe, uh, sir, sir, young man? Are you okay? And, he, and the kid's like, "Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm at home. I'm on the computer. I'm safe." And it's like, you know, that's what this is really about. It's like it's, right? I, you know, and that and that worked for me. You know, it, it worked for me. It's just it's one of those things where it's like you know, and then it's what it, the other thing about it that I will say is I don't ever need to see anybody do anything like this again. And if this becomes a thing, the way that the Blair Witch became a thing, if we have twenty right. years right. of desktop horror movies please God, <laughs> send a ghost through the internet to d- d- i will download the ghost for send it to my g drive my google drive i will download the ghost so it can kill me so that i don't have to see these movies that's what i will do i'm just saying ghosts yeah i'm, yeah, I'm sure that i'm sure the koreans have already made that movie 400 times it has conquered the Korean box office about 75 million times at this point. Yeah. And we'll be remaking it 75 million times ourselves. Uh, we'll be right back. Over the weekend, a music critic for the Washington Post named Chris Richards wrote a piece called Do You Want Poptimism or Do You Want the Truth? Basically arguing that the ongoing debate over popular music and whether or not everybody can be included in this conversation about what is effectively good by virtue of its being popular and it's having been made by very famous people cuts off the legs of an actual cultural discourse. And in that piece, he opens it by saying, if you're truly listening, you already know that today's music is every bit as magnificent and horrible as it ever was, but read enough contemporary music criticism and you might buy in to a more flattering hallucination. Now when a pop star reaches a certain level of fame, or a certain strata of fame, I'm sorry. And we're talking about Beyonce, Drake, Taylor Swift, arcade, arcade fire levels here. Something more magical happens. They no longer seem to get bad reviews. Stars become superstars, critics become cheerleaders, and the discussion froths into a consensus, into a consensus of uncritical excitement. This is the collateral damage of poptimism, he puts that in quotes. The prevailing ideology for today's most influential music critics... Few would drop this word in conversation at a house party or a nightclub, but in music journo circles, music journalism circles, the idea of poptimism itself is wholly ripped. Um, Alex, feelings? I, I have like 19. I, I wanted to argue with you like nine times during the course of that, and you weren't even really, you were just reading something that you didn't write you were just... So why don't we back up to the word if? We'll, we'll start if. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Where do you get on? All right. <sighs> we should also say before you start that this is a response. This We had a conversation a year ago There's with a whole Stephen Hyden. Yeah. Which was about, um, the... I forget even, yeah. 
What, where? Well, I mean, it was the piece that Saul Osterlich wrote in the New York right, Times. Right. I'm sorry. 90s. Yes, yes, yes. That's who it was. Yes, about 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 like he him wishing the optimism would just go away. Somebody and writes this once a year, right? Like it's now somebody yearly... writes something. Yes, but what's interesting to me, and the reason I think it's worth talking about now is. I mean, I think that every iteration of this argument is ultimately there's a there's a there's a level of truth in it. And I think that in some ways that argument also cuts off um, a, a whole other area of how we talk about and consume popular music. But you are going to start with the word if <laughs> I'm not really going to start with the word if. But I, I, like there's just things in, in in all in that in that first. I don't know. <sighs> You know, this is, <laughs> I get, I get, oh my frustrated. God, you're turning into me. I'm turning it, I'm turning into Nicholas Fane, political satirist is what I turn into when I talk about the poptimism argument, because I, my blanket <laughs> statement about it, first of all, it's, I, I take issue with the idea that it is so pervasive and so unbreakable and that, you know, that somehow these voices are being silenced and that there's not like, and I think you know the reason I'm sort of loath to talk about it is I think I'm reiterating things, but whatever we're reiterating, every these are reiterations. We're we're back to we're back to this again. There is still Alex, a, we do a giant weekly podcast. We could do a weekly podcast about no. I'm saying we the, do when everything's reiterated. I guess don't worry. So. <laughs> I guess so. I think that there is there is still there remains a gigantic system and a gigantic reward structure for things that are not what. Richards is describing in this piece that are not Beyonce and Taylor Swift and all those things. Like certainly there is a, you know, like anytime Beyonce or Taylor Swift, like, you know, coughs or makes a move or, you know, orders a sandwich like that is, that gets coverage. I think there's a couple of things going on. I think like there's the roping together of like sort of the ambient thing that used to be called music news Mm -hmm. and, Mm actual pop criticism i think the those lines are you know somewhat are, have have blurred a tiny bit you know on the internet as the you know as, as the you know the most of that discourse has migrated to the internet i think that line is blurred a little bit and i think yes of course there's always going to be more kind of gossip and you know interest in something like in beyonce coming out of nowhere with a record because that's a publicity stunt and like people have to talk about it i think like oh, like the richards thing it ignores the way that yeah you know I see this is what happens. I'm bottlenecking with feeling. I am sympathetic to the sense that there is that this conversation can, you know, can can make you feel drowned out. But on the other side, on the other hand, like who is the person who's always writing this story every single time? Like Google image, the people who are writing these stories like it's always a white guy. Who's always sort of like, but what about my white guy music? It's like there's no danger, and it's funny that he, by the way, lumps Arcade Fire in there. I want to say, mm-hmm. like, I want another thing that I want to take issue with was Arcade Fire being lumped in there. It's like because that's almost the opposite. It's almost one of those things where, like, you know, not that many people like Arcade Fire, but like, compared to how many people like Taylor Swift, but there's somehow there's always going to be room for the Arcade Fire in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's a it's a weird thing because it's all like, I don't know. I just don't feel like I feel like you should always be careful if you are on the side of, you know, the sort of the guy be like, but what about the hegemony? It was so everything was working. I don't know. <laughs> it was so simple then. Well, that's so funny because he does leave himself open to this to this line of criticism. Correct. Like, I mean, it isn't as though I mean, he posits the Kalefa Sine uh, piece from I think 2004, the 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 problem with with rockism uh, that appeared in the New York Times, and it touched off this this very at the well, at the time was like a really necessary thing to point out, which is that there is this hegemony, and what it what it sort of chokes what it chokes out is a conversation, and I I, I guess the way um Kate put it was that uh there's this other stuff that's happening in music and people are listening to music and consuming it in this in the in a way that rock critics and pop critics haven't actually discussed. Um I would say to your observation that most of the people making this critique and, and advancing it in different iterations over time 
I mean, Kalefa is is a is a black man who made the original anti-rockism point. Yeah, I mean, he um, didn't, and and you know, all, the this was, that was not his invention. I mean, like, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from that piece, but I just want to point out that it does, you know, I, like to sort of correct that. Poptimism to me starts with like Chuck Eddy when Chuck Eddy was the music editor of the Village Voice. It starts with a bunch of a bunch of white critics sort of rejecting. Uh, hipsterism it's an it's a rejection mm-hmm. of indie rock it's like right. it's like chuck eddie assigning metal mike saunders a fifty-five thousand word article about radio disney in the village voice in the early 2000s is like where all of that starts and it's like it's a very specific thing it comes from that i love music message board which still exists and like it filters upward but like that i feel like that sort of that arm of the discourse and that thing kind of t- you know taking over in music st- criticism starts there it's not necessarily so it, i don't think it's like a sort of an organic product of you know non-white male critics sort of say, like sticking up for the things that they liked or anything or things that reflect who they are or anything like that it's i does come from that world anyway i don't know the point that i'm making exactly but i just want to say so i think you weird. just wanted to make clear that it's not it was not yeah, it's not was not originally really even racial because it was all about like Britney and stuff. It was all about sort of like people, quote unquote, serious rock critics paying serious rock critical attention to stuff that traditionally was outside of the purview of what was considered the purview of rock criticism, which was generally speaking certain kinds of hip hop and guitar music and right. anything that was sort of outside of that realm. And then there was a point suddenly where like, you know as the sort of teen pop thing happens as the TRL thing happens in the late nineties and early OOs, whenever that really you know kicks in, I forget exactly when like that's about it. Like late nineties, early. 2000s. Yeah. It's like right in that, in that spot, like as that stuff was really happening, suddenly there was a sort of a micro generation of rock critics coming up who were paying attention to that stuff and taking it as seriously as you would take anything else. And, you know, it was, that was a huge it was a huge rejection there was not really you know there are certain people who've always kind of paid attention there was there were always critics who paid attention to you know sort of quote unquote trashy top 40 stuff but like there was mm-hmm. it was never like a thing that you had to do and like all, what all these pieces are now are responding to these like anti optimism pieces are it's it just the re, when I say like, you know, you should be careful about or you should always really question what who, which side you want to be on in that. It just it really reminds me of and this is a totally unfair comparison and I'm going to make it anyway. It reminds me of the argument of like, is hasn't there been too much affirmative action? Shouldn't we start sort of rolling <laughs> it in the other? Isn't this a little or have we gone a little far? Well, in this, you I know. Mean, Yes. And your point is, is, I mean, that's a great point. And, you know, there are there is the truth about where popular music is right now to to support that that line of of critique. Um, And, you know, look at who's at the center of popular music right now. It's women and black people. Yeah. And 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 Bruno Mars. And I think it's Um, also I think this is, you know, the other thing about it is that this has, you know, the, the one thing, the rise of optimism you know, has, which I, I, I feel like it's still, it's an inexact word for what we're really talking about, but you know, it's so-called, so so so-called. Yeah. I think it's open that it's open that discourse up to a lot of people who are not, you know, I mean, look, I like, I come from music journalism. That is my native literary culture. It is a very white male literary culture, or at least it was when I got into it, you know? And there's like, and I mean, I'm sure I've said this before, but like, there was a time when I could be the hip hop columnist for the Boston Phoenix because there was not anybody else who wanted to write about that stuff for that paper. And like, I don't know that that's necessarily true anymore. I think it's sort of, I think optimism has actually brought about like a lot of diversity in a way. And that, you know, in like that, that field really needed, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, but I think that sort of leaves people threatened, you know, it leaves it it, like, it leaves these sort of the, the white male dudes who like thought that they could get into this to write about, you know, isn't it interesting how Bruce Springsteen really speaks to what it's like to be a white male guy in this time that we're living in and all that, you know, like that is no longer necessarily the job, you know, I don't know, I guess people... There's always there's just I just I I find it hard to rally behind anything that's about the the, the vanishing uh, territory that the the white man used to roam. And I say that as a a white man who 
likes having territory. I don't know. I, I like. <laughs> I, I'm fine with the amount. You've of, got some territory. I'm fine I've with the it. amount of territory that I have. I'm like a stag with a tundra. But uh, you know, like it's just there's not. You know, I just don't know that it's. I don't know that it's dangerous. And also, I don't know. This is my main thing, and I'm monologuing, and I'm sorry, and I'm interrupting. I'm just. Oh, uh, please, no. But go on. There's also it's just how long are we going to go on pretending that there's new developments in white guy sad guitar music? There Mm -hmm. so rarely are. And yet we're supposed to like, you know, there's new things happening in movies all the time and there's new things happening and whatever. But there's not like when I say that there's sort of an artificial reward structure and like things kind of, you know, that we're we're propping up these guys. It's like. We still we we kind of we have to pretend that something is interesting in that world, whether or not it actually is. You know, we have to find something in that world. I mean, it's like that we're going to really sort of be like, oh, man, I wonder, like, what the circumstances were that led to Tobias Gesso writing these uh, uh, Todd Rundgren songs on the piano rather than on guitar. You know, it's just it's like there's (laughs) like really you know, he was he was really bummed out. It's like every story is like this guy broke up with somebody and then he hurt his hand and he was playing piano. It's like it's not <laughs> like it's every it like and it like there needs to be some like news value. And I'm sorry, there's like a there's news value to a Beyonce. There is news value to someone who is kind of, you know, because ultimately, like, what are we really talking about? You know, this is the one the really sort of the great sort of Bob Criscow thing talking about, like, you know, semi popular music and like sort of those like those democracies. It's like. You want to talk about the stuff that is, you know, that that unites a, a group of otherwise unrelated people under mm-hmm. one umbrella mm-hmm. to be interested in something together, because that is the that is the only, ultimately, that's the only way that that you can sort of use. That's the only; th- those are the only things that you can use to talk about the larger culture, like what's happening, like why are so many people like interested in Beyonce who are otherwise have nothing in common. You know, and like, why do people sort of like like arguing about Taylor Swift, you know, and all of that stuff, you know, like like and that's the thing that's interesting to talk about. It's like somebody makes and I don't mean to beat up a Tobias Gesso or whatever, but like, you know, some of those there are people just those people make records for people that like those kinds of records. And there's always going to be another one of them. And like it's. You know, it, it's more interesting to talk about somebody who's kind of not just speaking to a little cohort. And, like, there's just less and less of that, you know, unless it's like a hosier or something, like, there's less and less of that in rock music, like, the, in, in right. sort of white guitar rock music. It's just not – it appeals to one type of person. And it's like, you know, the Chris Weingarten thing. It's like the type of music the most people can stand. Right. Well, what about this idea – okay, like, like extracting – Let's let's pose that like race really isn't an issue, even though I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said. But what if I mean, because the other thing that I that I that I picked up in reading this and, you know, I wish that he had provided two things from the, in this piece that really that would have changed the, the nature of the argument, I, I, sort of against optimism and or against against optimism, I guess, which is that. You know, I wish he would have provided some criticism of his own. Like, there's no, there's no pop or rock criticism in the piece, and he doesn't sort of point toward. He recognizes that the way things are is bad, and but there's no sort of alternative preference for, for how the discourse ought to take place. Yeah, because um, the I mean, alternative he that, is going back to the way it was before. It's like we should go back. You know, like that's the thing. There's not another version of it because it's either this or you know. Well, right. So this is my question, though. I mean, I think the, the, I think what, what I was granting the, this argument is there might be in some ways, and this is the thing that we talked about before with Kendrick Lamar, and he does mention the Kendrick Lamar reception in, in this piece, which is like a fear of criticism that comes from, I think, some obvious things that we've already been talking about along the lines of race. And I think one of the problems of 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 the way we talk about popular culture now, in some ways, is that, and that this is sort of the sort of sublament of this piece, which is that there's kind of a democratization of of quality, and it's the difference. It's not quite the same thing as taste. It's not quite the same thing. It's the same thing as there being uh, one taste or no distinction between so-called high and low. It's more what we were talking about last week when we were talking about while while we're young. 
And it's that there is no quality anymore. Like, and there is no good or bad. It just, things are just are. And it's one of my frustrations with genius, for instance, which I really like and think is a really valuable historical tool. But at the same time, I think the risk of that is that it supplants the way we talk about and receive music. Um, that that you know we can't we can no we we're sort of losing the ability to to take something like to pimp a butterfly and talk about its relative merits as a work of art and whether or not it works and doesn't work and what things about it work and don't work partly because in some ways we might not feel like we're equipped to do so because Kendrick Lamar is a black man talking about black things which is what we talked about two weeks ago or three weeks ago but also because you know history might bear us to might bear out we won't we don't want to be on the wrong side of that we don't want to be we don't want to be wrong against something that you know in 20 years will be heralded as as you know the never mind of you know 2015 um and i think it does sort of make us a little bit craven about how we take in our our popular culture um, I mean, I'm, that's a thing that comes up with the Fast and Furious movies in a lot of ways. Like the people who don't like them now are, you know, asked to leave Eden. Right. You're it's, a scold if you're not into the right. Yeah. If you're not all the way in on those movies. And right. Yeah. And it's true. And about, so I don't know. I mean, do yeah. you I mean, do you, is, this, is that something you notice is that, you know, there doesn't really seem to be any differentiation among or between good and bad. And, you know, the Taylor Swift record is is by virtue of its existence and by virtue of its being a Taylor Swift record, its existence is irrespective of, of its quality. But I mean, I think, you know, there, the one thing that he's saying in here that does have merit is that you do the, the consensus forms immediately because everybody has to be first and everybody has to be super fast now and you don't have even like a couple days to hang out with something it's like it used to be it used to be that at least maybe you know like you would get even if you had to go to the listening session and just sit there and you had you know a couple of hours to take something in at least then you had a week to go and write about it you know, and now it's it's instantaneous because it's like, oh, Kendrick dropped a record tonight and you need to have a blog post up tomorrow. And I think that leads to snap judgments. And it's, you know, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's it's easier to err yeah. it, it, if you're going to err. It's probably better to err on the side of enthusiasm and be like, this is a world ruling masterpiece rather than, you know, this is like immediately like that instantly you know because you can't it's harder to you know it's harder to make that argument in some ways you know and sort of and, like the nuance critique though happens afterwards like it's an ongoing conversation and so i think it is still it's still rooted in like you know sort of like i miss the old ways in some sense but no it's true it's true that we do have to you know there but i guess the idea the thing that i dispute is that there's a pressure because mm-hmm. honestly, like, just have your have your take and like let it, you know, like let the chips fall where they may, and like take the opprobrium that you're going to face in the comments. Like this smacks of for me, it smacks of somebody being like, I don't like when I say bad things about Beyonce and everybody piles on me in the comments, you know, or whatever that is. Because right. also the the difference that you're, you know, you you now people can instantly tell you you're an idiot, whereas they mm-hmm. used to have to write a letter to Kurt Loder and Rolling Stone and be like, Dear Rolling Stone. How did, Silk Degrees deserves a three and a half stars rather than three. Not that it would ever get three and a half stars. It's, it's you know that's a bad example that's, in Rolling Stone. That's but a little. It, that's a little generous. That's well, exactly. Well, no, but I'm saying Rolling Stone. Boz, Boz did not get a bad review. They still no, wasn't somebody fired over Boz Skaggs. Somebody true? tried to give Boz Skaggs uh, uh, twelve stars instead of uh, fifty, and uh, <laughs> the, the, the was that was not accepted. No, it's a, I don't know what happens over there. I have no clue about any kind of Boz Skaggs thing happening in the pages of Rolling Stone. I'm just saying that you used to now you can you immediately hear about it, and so I think like you know journalists and I am absolutely in this camp. We pay way too much attention to Twitter. And it's the only it's often the only gauge that we have of what's really sort of who's reading what and who's responding to things. And I think, you know, if you wrote a bad review of Tim Pippa Butterfly, like you would immediately hear about it. And like that is a flawed record. And there's things that are, you know, things, things that, are, that are wrong with it. And there's things there's there's overreach to it. And like I think you've seen 
in the you know people have gotten over that sort of fear of like oh if i if i don't absolutely love this am i going to seem like i'm against uh you know young black men expressing themselves to the fullest using the the full bold palette of music you know which is like that's what's going on there and it's great but there's it's you know it's not a perfect record and you can say that but you know it is so i see that i see that part of it you know but i'm like okay, it's it's still that's this is the stuff that we should be paying attention to as critics is the stuff that the most people are excited about and you know it's no, just not it's like you know i mean it's one of those things where it's like what are what is the other side of the coin giving us that's so interesting that somehow not getting talked about i feel like there's enough discussion of the bold new direction of the mumford and sons album you know and like i would I, not that i don't think that that's something that like an interesting writer could write an interesting thing about i just don't think that it's somehow inherently so exciting and is getting missed in this uh you know torrent of beyonce pieces like i think that that's just garbage um i i well put so seriously much. Well put. Um, I chose our jam of the week thinking about what we were going to talk about in this the second segment, thinking about optimism. Uh, it's not uh, optimist music by any sense, um, but it somehow just kind of jumped out at me, and I was, I was like, "This this seems a certain germane to the conversation." Thank you to Joe Fuentes. Thank you, David Jacoby. Thank you, Wesley. This song Thank is you, called Alex. by Ben Sidron. It's called Never Cry for a Hipster. <laughs> and it goes out to all the raucous, all the anti-poptimists. No, don't cry for no hipster. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. He knew what he signed up for. Look on the field That run down appeal The passing ship The distant shore Now don't cry for no hipster He saw the writing on the wall Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.